Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Thursday, February 11th, 2016. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, the only union screen printer in Boston. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now or give them a call at 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. Beantown Athletics is also home of the best skate shopping in New England. So grab your skates, swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester. There is plenty of parking out back and make sure you tell them I sent you. Once again, the website is BeantownAthletics.com and as we get closer to the spring, that means you're going to need a uniform for your softball team. They can come up with a customized design for you right here at Beantown Athletics. Don't just play good. Look good doing it. You get some money from a sponsor, whether it be a local bar or a restaurant. What are you going to do with that money? You're going to put it towards a uniform, which you should get done right here at Beantown Athletics in Dorchester. So on this Thursday We are one week away from the NBA trade deadline. That's right. The NBA trade deadline is next Thursday, February 18th at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. And last night, the Boston Celtics played their final game before the All-Star break with a win. An exciting overtime win over the LA Clippers, 139-134 to at the TD Garden. Now, I was excited about this win. I liked the way the Celtics kept fighting, obviously. I liked the way Evan Turner played in overtime. I liked the way Isaiah Thomas played in the fourth quarter. And, you know, you like what you see from this Celtics team when it comes to the fight that they show on a nightly basis. But I wasn't as excited about this win last night over the Clippers as I was their win against the Cavaliers a couple nights ago. Right, I, I I don't think this game last night was as exciting as that Cavaliers win. What last Friday night against Cleveland? Um, no. In fact, I was live on Weei when the Celtics beat the Cavs when Avery Bradley hit that shot, and I don't know if you heard my my live play by play of that game because, and I'm not supposed to do play by play, but I was on ten to midnight. Right? Was it last? Last Friday night, 10 to midnight, yeah, last Friday night, um, the Celtics game was kind of wrapping up right before I went on air at 10 o'clock, and see, I begin this every show giving the trending now update, which is like your hourly sports flash, your hourly sports update, and the Celtics, it looked like they were going to lose the game in Cleveland, but the mindset that I had, even in the trending now, I think I, I led the trending now by saying... You know, I'm Danny Picard. Here's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Uh, the Celtics looks like they're going to lose tonight in Cleveland. That's what I said. And then when I actually opened up the show moments later, I sort of had the same sentiment. But I was, you know, you want them to win that game. But the way that game began against Cleveland last Friday night, I, I guess I was just happy to see that they fought back and had a chance to win it late. Like we're even in that game. Because they had no business even being in that game, given the way it began. They were down 14-2 right off, right off the bat, three and a half, four minutes in, in Cleveland. It just didn't look like it was the Celtics' night, and yet they battled back. They showed how much heart that they have as a group. And what I was going to get into was, all right, they didn't win the game, but the type of fight that they showed, it's exactly why the Celtics should stay away from someone like Dwight Howard. because. Dwight Howard, you know, if he was in this game, it's just I don't even know that they would have fought back and had a chance to win because Dwight Howard doesn't have any fight in him. He just doesn't. And and, and that's what my opening monologue to the show last Friday night was going to be. And then live during the broadcast, uh, I had to react as I'm watching the game and giving my opening monologue about three, four minutes into the opening monologue, the Celtics, you know, have this mini comeback and end up hitting a game-winning shot at the buzzer, Avery Bradley, with a three-pointer in Cleveland Friday night against the number one-seeded Cavaliers. It was a walk-off. It was a buzzer-beater, whatever you want to call it. And I reacted to it live. Here's my call 
of the Avery Bradley three-pointer. You want to talk about excitement? How about this play-by-play call that I gave while I was giving my opening monologue on WEI last Friday night and during the win against the Cavaliers? (laughs) This is Dwight Howard that is averaging, what, 14 points a game, which is his lowest points per game in his career since his rookie season? Uh, 10 years ago? I mean, and on top of that, as the Celtics, did they win it? Was that a three? Avery Bradley, no time left. He hit a three. The Celtics win at the buzzer. 104-103. You kidding me? Was that Avery Bradley? Wow. Celtics win it. <laughs> They're running off the court in Cleveland. They should have had no shot to win this game. They win it. Avery Bradley. So Evan Turner missed a free throw. They're down two. They should have been down one. He missed a free throw, but a loose ball. They're fighting for it under the basket. Uh, they had a review to see who it went off to go out of bounds, and apparently it went off Cleveland, so they gave the ball back to the Celtics with three seconds left. They inbound it. Avery Bradley, baseline three to win the game. 104-103. Celtics win it. Wow. So... As you can tell, I was excited about that win. More excited about that win than I was last night with this Celtics win over the Clippers. I know the Clippers are one of the top teams in the Western Conference. They're the number four seed in the West. They have 35 wins, a 35-18 and 18 record. Uh, Blake Griffin is out injured. and uh, But I still, I don't think I look at the Clippers, even if Blake Griffin was playing. You know, I look at the West, Golden State. Okay. Dominant team, 48 wins. San Antonio, dominant team, 45 wins. Even Oklahoma City, I'd take over the Clippers. I mean, I'd have to seriously consider maybe taking a a Memphis or a Dallas over the L.A. Clippers. So, uh, and, and when they beat Cleveland last week, Cleveland is the top team in the Eastern Conference. So, I was more excited about the Cleveland win than I was last night with this win over the L.A. Clippers. Not to say I wasn't excited last night. I certainly was. But with this win last night, the Celtics at 32 and 23, 17 and 10 at home. And right now in the NBA standings, heading into the All-Star break, they stand in the number three seed in the Eastern Conference. But as I mentioned, today is February 11th, and we are one week away from the NBA trade deadline. Yesterday, I did some NHL trade deadline stuff, and I talked about this Boston Bruins team and what they needed to do with the deadline. And what I told you yesterday was they need to seriously consider moving Zdeno Chara, trade him right now. That's what they need to do. He's their captain, but it's what they need to do. And I go back and listen to yesterday's podcast. I gave you the reasons for it, but if you don't want to do that, you can also read my column in today's Boston Metro. I actually will be in tomorrow's newspaper, the Boston Metro, but it's online today, a day early. I have linked it out on Twitter, so make sure you follow me on Twitter and Facebook. You can get the link there. I talk about why the Bruins right now need to move Zidane Chara if they are going to move him at all while they can actually get something for him. So go back, listen to yesterday's podcast for that, and read my column in the Boston Metro, which is currently online. But today... We're going to do some NBA trade deadline stuff. And, of course, the Celtics are one of these teams, not just here locally. Are we looking at them as a team that needs to make a move before the trade deadline? Or a team that, I shouldn't say needs to make a move, a team that, if they do make a move, could be a major player in the NBA playoffs. Okay? They can be. Right now, I told you, they're the three seed. But as excited as they are, as much hot and fight, that they have, they still need to add a major piece to the puzzle. Not maybe even just for this season, but also if they want to get into free agency and bring in and attract another all-star player, another max contract type player, because the Celtics are on the record saying that they are willing to give out two max contracts this year, this offseason, this summer. But what do you need to do first? In my opinion, you do need to make that big trade first, right? Before you get into that. Now, that gets into what the Celtics' assets are. And we're not just, again, we're not just talking about the Celtics in Boston. Every day when they have NBA trade deadline talk on ESPN, they're mentioning the Celtics. 
because the Celtics are in position to pounce, but they're also in a they're in position to pounce with a whole lot of assets. And when I say a whole lot of assets, you know what I'm talking about. That Brooklyn Nets pick. The Celtics have it. Um, you know, you see what's going on with the Brooklyn Nets. They have 14 wins. The only teams worse than them, the LA Lakers with 11. I should mention Phoenix. They also have 14 wins. Uh, and yep, the Lakers with 11 and the 76ers with eight. So the Brooklyn Nets in the lottery could potentially be the number one overall pick, number two overall pick. You know, that's a, that's a very valuable trade asset to go along with all the other draft picks the Boston Celtics have and some young talent that they could very well move and package with some of those draft picks. So all of that is an interesting topic here in Boston, but it's also an interesting topic around the league nationally. You see them talking about the Celtics on ESPN whenever they bring up NBA trade deadline talk. And with the Celtics win last night over the Clippers at the TD Garden, they head into the All-Star break with 30 two wins and they are in position to not just get a number three seed in the Eastern Conference but if they get a three seed in the Eastern Conference they technically wouldn't have to play Cleveland until the Eastern Conference Finals the way the NBA uh, brackets are, are set up and they're set brackets the one the winner of the one versus the eight seed which will be Cleveland versus whoever, I mean, Chicago, Charlotte, Indiana, Detroit, Washington, could be a a number of teams. But Cleveland, you got to think we'll win that. We'll go to the second round. Cleveland, whoever wins that one versus the eight seed bracket plays the winner of the four versus the five. And the winner of the three versus the six plays the winner of the two versus the seven. So you wouldn't have to play Cleveland if you even advance. Now, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself and say the Celtics are definitely winning two playoff series, but the toughest team that they would have to play in the Eastern Conference in a playoff series is undoubtedly the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, it's not even up for debate, right? The Cavaliers are the best team in the East. They have 38 wins. Uh, They've seen their fair share of struggles this season. Kevin Love, a little banged up right now. Um, you know, they got Irving back, but, but you know, the Cavaliers, you know, they fired a coach, but is that really a big deal? LeBron was coaching the team anyways. Uh, the Cavaliers are the best team in the East. And if you're a team like the Celtics and you look at it and say, hey, if we finish the two or the three seed, we won't have to face Cleveland. You know, we can avoid Cleveland until the conference finals, right? But now you're putting yourself in, in position, at least it's the talking point outside of the the organization, and I even think inside the organization, Danny Ainge, if he wants to look at this thing realistically, he has to have his eye on when they are going to play or could run into the Cavaliers in the playoffs. And when you do run into the Cavaliers in the playoffs, the question is, how do you beat them? All right, as excited as I just showed you and, and told you that I was when the Celtics beat the Cavaliers on Friday night with that buzzer beater. I do not think the Celtics can beat the Cavs. The Celtics, as they currently look right now, I do not think this Celtics team can beat the Cavaliers in a seven-game series. I don't care when it happens. I don't care if it's the first round, the second round, or the Eastern Conference Finals. It's just not going to happen right now. The Celtics need to add some type of elite player uh, to, to even have a chance to win that series. And not only would you then put yourself in position to have a chance to win that series, I think you put yourself in position, if you get that player, to also add another player via free agency this summer. And when we get into the NBA trade talk and you bring up the Celtics, the last couple days, a name that has been brought up, which is a much better name than Dwight Howard, because last week we had all the Dwight Howard shit coming up once again. And I told you, you can go back and listen uh, to the podcast. I... No, I do not want the Celtics to go anywhere near Dwight Howard. You see what's happening with the Houston Rockets. Would they lose again last night? They're 27 and 28. They are four and six in their last 10. Yeah. Harden, Howard, the new coach, nobody's on the same page. You know, you, you want to stay as far away as possible from Dwight Howard. Okay. That's, that's what you want to do. 
but the last couple of days, we haven't been talking about Dwight Howard. We did that last week. The last couple of days, we've been talking about Al Horford. Al Horford. Atlanta Hawks. My, my, I, I have initial confusion at all the Atlanta Hawks trade rumors because the Atlanta Hawks, well, they're 31 and 24. They're the number four seed in the East. They were one of the best teams in the NBA last year. And I think it's realistic that if they kept all their guys, Atlanta would be a three or a four seed in the Eastern Conference. Right? I mean, I I just figured that's where they stand. And again, outside of Cleveland, I I think Atlanta, if they keep the team the way they have it now, or even if they were able to make moves to help their team right now and to add on if they were able to do that somehow, then I would think that Atlanta has a shot to beat anybody in the conference. Now, I would pick Cleveland over Atlanta, but you never know. Again, let's say Atlanta could get up to that three seed and they wouldn't have to face Cleveland until the East Finals. I mean, you never know what could happen this time around, right? I'd give Atlanta a shot. So this talk about the Hawks moving pieces and sort of selling these big-name players is a little confusing to me. I, I, I understand the aspect of, you know, Al, Al Horford's going to be a free agent. You don't want to lose him for nothing. But if you're the Hawks, I mean, there's always the opportunity to sign and trade after the year. You know, that's, that's an NBA thing, the sign and trade and when you think about sign and trade after the season, because I, I, at least, look, the NBA salary cap stuff, I mean, we, we could be here all day trying to get in, into how, you know, the taxes and, and going over the cap and the Larry Bird rights and, uh, you know, trade exceptions, all that shit. I mean, we could be here all day trying to discuss that and read the NBA CBA when it comes to salary cap. And to be quite honest with you, I, I don't really want to do that. I, I'm just not interested in reading all that stuff off for you. So to break it down as simple as possible, when it comes to sign and trade, the, the name that comes up is not Al Horford, even though Al Horford's going to be a free agent. And we'll get back to Al Horford in a minute because he has been linked to the Celtics. But what I'm telling you is when, we, when I hear the phrase sign and trade, who's the name that comes into the conversation immediately when it comes to this summer, this upcoming summer? It's Kevin Durant. It's Kevin Durant. Because if you're the Oklahoma City Thunder, you know, you're sort of in a similar position as Atlanta. You're a three seed in the West, right? Atlanta's a four seed in the East. Uh, Oklahoma City's a three seed in the West. Clearly, there's a team or two better than them, Golden State and San Antonio. Much like Atlanta's case, clearly there's at least one team better than them, the Cleveland Cavaliers. But Oklahoma City... They have an impending free agent. It's the elephant in the room of the NBA upcoming offseason. It's Kevin Durant. Uh, He can walk if he wants. He can leave Oklahoma City after this season. He can test the free agent market. And he can pick a team. He can pick a city. He can pick a uniform. He can pick a group of guys he wants to play with. And he can go there. And lately, we've heard the rumor that maybe Golden State is going to go all in to bring Kevin Durant to Golden State. And and that's a scary thought. If you're looking at the NBA and you're another team that wants to have a chance to win in the next five years, the idea of Kevin Durant going to play with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green, it's a scary thought. You don't want to see that happen. But they're saying it's a possibility given the fact that the NBA salary cap is going to skyrocket. It's only going to increase. Uh, Again, nightmarish thoughts of Kevin Durant going to Golden State and playing with the Warriors. And it, it, it could happen. But if it's a sign and trade, I believe you can make more money via sign and trade. That's that's what I'm I'm led to believe. I And... If you can make more money in a sign and trade than someone like Kevin Durant, you know, Oklahoma City also saying to themselves, hey, listen, we don't want you to let you, we don't want to let you go for nothing, but we also don't want to trade you at this deadline because we think we're going to take a shot to win it all. 
with a three seed in the West. We got 39 wins. We got you, Westbrook. Who knows how much longer we're going to have Westbrook. And look, me personally, I've just, I've been saying this for a long time. I've been saying it probably for about a year, looking ahead at superstar players' contracts and potential destinations. I think Westbrook is going to end up in a place like New York City, like Madison Square Garden, the New York Knicks. I just think that's going to happen. If you're Oklahoma City, you know, you're going to take one more shot. If you think Durant's not coming back, Durant, Westbrook, you're going to take one more shot with those guys. And it's one thing if they were having a terrible season and you were the seven, the eight seed in the West, and, you know, you're going to have to play Golden State or San Antonio in the first round, and you might not even make the playoffs, then the Kevin Durant trade stuff would be heating up right now. The reason it's not is because of potential sign and trade. Oklahoma City going to try to make a run this year. When the season's over, they can still trade him in a sign and trade. They come up with a contract. They got 48 hours to go to the team of the player's choice. And uh, if the two teams can work out a deal, that contract goes to the new team. And it's called the sign and trade. I mean, you'd have to give up a lot, obviously. You'd have to give up a whole heck of a lot to get Kevin Durant. And uh, when I think about that, well, I, I think about all the assets that the Boston Celtics have. And when I think of the assets that the Boston Celtics have, I think of the Brooklyn pick. And if I'm Oklahoma City... I think I'd like that Brooklyn pick. Now, we would obviously, you see that Brooklyn pick, you'd know, right, you'd know what pick that would be. They do the lottery um, in the playoffs, correct? So, that draft, the value of that draft pick, it, it, it may diminish by the time we know what, what pick that actually is. <laughs> but, um... So so you have to you have to take all this stuff into account if you're Danny Ainge. You have to take it all into account if you're Oklahoma City. And um, the reason I bring it up, sign and trade, is because if you are Danny Ainge, you have this Brooklyn pick. And I would think that if I'm the Atlanta Hawks, again, I have confu- I'm confused a little bit as to why they're even going to move Al Horford right now why they wouldn't just keep the, the group together and maybe try to add a, a piece or two to try to go for it all right now, right? Just try to take one more shot and, and maybe you then move Al Horford in a side and trade yourself, side and trade yourself. But if you're Danny Ainge, you got to think that the Atlanta Hawks, if they're going to give you Al Horford, and the, the, they've been connected, the Celtics have been connected to talking to the Hawks about a trade for Al Horford. At least I would, I would like to believe that if I'm Atlanta, I would be asking for the Brooklyn pick for Al Horford. I would. And if I'm the Celtics, if you ask me, would you trade the Brooklyn pick for Al Horford? I'd say no way. There's no chance in hell that if I'm the Celtics, I'm giving up that Brooklyn pick for Al Horford. Now, does that mean I I don't want Al Horford in a Celtics uniform? No. I would like to see Al Horford in a Celtics uniform. Don't get me wrong. If the Celtics traded for Al Horford in the next week, that would be a good week for the Celtics. That's a nice piece to add to this team. Al Horford, 29 years old, turns 30 in June. Uh, he averages 15 points a game, uh, seven about seven rebounds a game, 1.5 blocks per game. And, you know, Al Horford is that big man, that 6'10", 245-pound center that would be a very valuable piece to the Celtics puzzle right now. Would it lead them to a championship this season? No, but I think that Horford would be a respectable name and a good enough player that could possibly convince a, a, a big-name free agent to come play with the Celtics team and the Celtics group. I, I really do think Al Horford is that type of piece, but I don't think Al Horford is worth the Brooklyn pick, okay? I, I just I don't think so. I, I think he's a good player. I think that he would help this Celtics team an awful lot. But I, I, I don't think you give up the Brooklyn pick to get Al Horford. But you know Atlanta's going to ask. And, and that's sort of where, when I look around the league, all these teams know what the Celtics have. They know what assets the Celtics have. They know that the Celtics need to make a major move, not just for the purposes of contending, but also for the purposes of maybe going out and sort of attracting another free agent to sign with them. 
So these teams knowing that and knowing what the Celtics have, I think all of them, anybody that's going to give the Celtics a big-name player is going to ask for the Brooklyn pick. And they might even demand it. So what Danny Ainge has done is, what, he went on the radio this morning or yesterday, whenever it was. I'm reading the headlines from it. Uh, Apparently, Danny Ainge has come out publicly now and said, well, you know what? Yeah, we got this Brooklyn pick, but we're going to have to be swept off our feet in order to give it up. He says that a team is going to have to overwhelm the Celtics to get that Brooklyn pick. And let me ask you this. Does Al Horford overwhelm you? I'm not saying you have to... I'm not telling you 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 don't have to like the deal. I I would think that most Celtics fans would like a trade that sends Al Horford to the Celtics. I know I like it. It's just at what cost? Like, what's the price to get Al Horford? What is it? Right? What is it? Um... And, you know, if I'm Danny Ainge and I have this Brooklyn pick, I mean, I'm doing what he's doing. I'm saying you're going to have to overwhelm me. Team's going to have to sweep me off my feet. I'm not going to give this Brooklyn pick up for anything. But I'm not just saying that. I mean it. If I'm Danny Ainge, I mean it. It it does sound like maybe he's just sort of saying that because he might know what all these teams are thinking. They're all thinking, okay, they got to make a move and we're going to demand that Brooklyn pick or we're not going to trade him anybody. We're not going to trade him a big name. And Danny Ainge is going the other way and he's playing the negotiation game. Oh, really? You're going to demand the Brooklyn pick for me. Well, here's what I'm going to demand. I'm going to demand that you overwhelm me to get the Brooklyn pick. There's one thing to say that. There's another thing to mean it. If he trades the Brooklyn pick, if Danny Ainge trades the Brooklyn pick for Al Horford, then I don't think he means it. I think he just said it as to, to try and get their asking price down. I would mean it if I'm Danny Ainge. I would not trade that Brooklyn pick for Al Horford because Al Horford doesn't overwhelm me. It's a nice trade. I like it. I think it would, it would be very good for the Celtics organization. I do not think it gets them a championship, one. And I do not think that... It's that Al Horford, who again is going to be a free agent, is worth the Brooklyn pick. I just don't think so. The Brooklyn pick, to me, you want me to narrow it down? The Brooklyn pick is going for two players. DeMarcus Cousins, and and I'm talking about two players that we know are either available or could be made available or will be potential free agents where you then get into the sign-and-trade, which is why I sort of bring sign-and-trade up because there's only two players that I would trade the Brooklyn pick for. One is DeMarcus Cousins. And you could do that in the next week. You might not have to wait till the offseason. He's under contract, 25, 26-year-old kid, all-star player. I, I, I just, that, I would, I would trade the Brooklyn pick for him. And I would trade the Brooklyn pick in a sign-and-trade for Kevin Durant after the season. I would. And from everything that I know to be true in the NBA, you could still make the move for Kevin Durant when the season's over in a sign-and-trade. Now, again, what you risk by holding on to the pick for that long is that when you get time for the lottery, perhaps you get some bad luck. And perhaps that Brooklyn pick turns into like the number five overall pick, right? That would be bad luck. That would also, you know, you you risk that. And you would also think that who knows what Brooklyn's going to do. They could start dishing out players and get even worse than they are right now. Um, and, and, and maybe you get help. Maybe that pick ends up being the number one overall pick, the number two overall pick. And if it is that, if that's the case... You know, could you, again, you'd have to, you would also have to convince Durant to want to play in Boston. And I understand that's where it becomes tricky because that's where you say, all right, if we did go out and get Al Horford, maybe Al Horford type would convince Durant to come to the Celtics. But if Oklahoma City's going to do his sign and trade so Durant could get more money with his new team, then what What did we have to give up to get Horford? Did we already use the pieces to get Horford that we could have used to get Kevin Durant? Look, it's a complicated issue. And if you're Danny Ainge, I think it's a... It, look, you're in a good place. It's a, it's a good problem to have, but it's a problem. It's, and it's complicated. 
So what do you do? You know, because if you give the Brooklyn pickup, and I'm just sort of, you know, I'm spitballing this. I, I like to put my GM cap on, and I like to look at these trades just like everybody else. And when I look at what the Celtics can do, I, I'm no different than any other Celtics fan. I want to see them go out and get a big-name player. I would love to see them get a big like Al Horford. I would. I just, to me, Al Horford, he's not on the same level as a Durant. He's not on the same level as a Cousins. The, the guy's on that level are the guys I'm giving the Brooklyn pick for. If you're not on that level, I can't give the Brooklyn pick up for Al Horford. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Uh, he's, I like Al Horford, but I just can't give up the Brooklyn pick. I can't do it. If the per, perfect, perfect scenario, best case scenario, in a perfect world, I am able to acquire Al Horford, okay, and keep the Brooklyn pick. And basically get Al Horford in some type of three-team deal. I mean, I don't know. Are you, are, what type of deal are we talking? I have no idea. Are we talking maybe we getting Houston involved? Dwight Howard, expiring contract? Um, getting something else from the Rockets? Sending it to Atlanta? I, I, I mean... Getting Al Horford, not having to give up the Brooklyn pick. Is that how creative we're getting? I don't know. Four-team deal? I don't know. Can you do that? Can you get Al Horford with some type of steal, with some type of creative trade that allows you to still have the opportunity to get nuts this summer? And when I say get nuts, I mean get Kevin Durant. I, I, I think if you're not thinking of this, like if Danny Ainge is not thinking of a way to somehow get Kevin Durant, he's not doing his job. So don't sit there and tell me I'm crazy to even bring it up. And don't sit there and tell me I'm crazy to think that if Kevin Durant goes elsewhere and leaves Oklahoma City, it's via sign and trade when the season is over. I mean, as far as I know, that you can still pull off the sign and trade at the end of the season, right? Um, and, and if that's the case, Oklahoma City, if they're going to deal with someone... I would think that they you would you would have a legitimate conversation with them. Now you need a couple things. You need that trade to work work out, but you'd also need Durant to want to come play in Boston. And uh, I think what you have right now certainly helps the coach, the exciting young team, the team that you know. Again, if you get that three seed, you might be playing in the Eastern Conference Finals. And at that point, Oklahoma City might not be playing, and they might Kevin Durant might be home sitting at home. Watching the Celtics in the playoffs still. And that might be something he says, wow, that, that building, that history, the garden, I could go there. And I can make a little bit more money if there's some type of sign and trade. You know, if they can help Oklahoma City. And you know what might even help that even more? If you could somehow land Al Horford before Thursday. And, and, and there are your two max contracts. Horford and Durant. I mean, would that work out? I... <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, I do everything I could to make it happen, but the problem is you you need to keep some assets to, to, to get Durant because he's not – Durant, to me, I don't think he's just going. I think that's going to be a sign and trade. I don't think he just leaves Oklahoma City, goes, and Oklahoma City gets nothing. I think there's something done. Uh, but you got to be a place that Kevin Durant wants to go to, and on top of it, you got to have – the assets that that tell Oklahoma City they're going to agree to it. I mean, perhaps if you were a place and could convince Durant to want to come to your city and only your city, then then you sort of then Oklahoma City's got their hands tied because they don't want to not get anything for them. But I would think you're going to need a Brooklyn pick. You need that Brooklyn pick, and again, you also need. Like, the other things need to work out for you. Brooklyn needs to keep losing. They need to get some luck on lottery night. And and at that point, you know, that's going to need to be a serious pick to, 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 to draft a serious player. So, a, a lot of things need to work out for you. And, and also, the team that you have right now, you'd like they need to make some type of run to, to convince a superstar player to want to play with this team. I would think. And uh, when I say run, I don't mean necessarily getting out of the East. I just mean being an exciting team that can win a playoff round or two this year. Al Horford would help. 
certainly. But how much are you going to give up to get him? Uh, best case scenario, you can somehow get creative, get a third team, maybe a fourth team, and you could get Al Horford and keep that Brooklyn pick. Uh, I... I just don't know if Atlanta is going to make that deal without it. And if I'm the Celtics, I don't make that deal if the Brooklyn pick needs to be involved. I don't. Forget about Durant. Forget about any other player. I can't give up the Brooklyn pick for Al Horford. I can't do it. I'm sorry. You can try to convince me all you want. I just can't do it. I can't. The only way you could convince me to do it is if you could guarantee me that you're going to bring in Durant if you get Al Horford. That's the only way you could do it. And I don't think you can guarantee me that for the factors that I just gave you. You know, if you're going to get Durant, you might have to pull off some type of sign and trade, which means you're going to have to give Oklahoma City something pretty damn good. And if you don't have a Brooklyn pick, that Brooklyn pick to give Oklahoma City, then I don't know that that deal is going to get done. But on top of it, I don't even know if Kevin Durant wants to play in Boston. So there's the other issue. So you can't guarantee me that if you get Horford with the Brooklyn pick that you can bring in Kevin Durant. You can't guarantee me that. Makes sense? Am I confusing you? I hope I'm not. Because it is, while it's complicated, at the same time, it's sort of a simple thought. The Celtics, they have two max contracts. Who are you giving them to? Who are you giving them to? You want to make Al Horford one of them? Okay, fine. You want to make Kevin Durant one? Yes. Make that happen. How do you make that happen? How do you make it all go down? Well, I think first and foremost, you got to make a trade. Now, um, obviously, you get DeMarcus Cousins. You're probably not going to end up with Durant. But you get Al Horford. Maybe you could somehow acquire an Al Horford and not give up the Brooklyn pick, and you can end up convincing Durant to want to come here and that's the sign and trade you make with Oklahoma City. I, I mean, that would be best case scenario. Don't have to if you don't have to give up the Brooklyn pick to get Al Horford. I do not want to do that. If it meant giving up the Brooklyn pick to get Al Horford, I would rather not get Al Horford, and I would rather make the pick myself for this Celtics team. I would. I'd rather make the pick than give up that pick for Al Horford. And that's not that, that's not a knock on Al Horford. I told you I like him. I think he'd help this Celtics team. I just don't think. You know, you, you got to value your assets in the right way, and the Brooklyn pick is too valuable. It's more valuable than Al Horford is. And I think that would be a bad trade for the Celtics, value-wise. I do. I really do. Al Horford would help, but value-wise, the Brooklyn pick cannot go in that trade for Al Horford. So uh, as we get closer to the NBA trade deadline, we'll keep an eye on all the names. We'll keep an eye on all the scenarios. Of course, the... The, the real wrench that could be thrown into anybody's plans that they may or may not have to try to go after Kevin Durant is that whole Golden State Warriors thing that I mentioned with Kevin Durant. Like, if, if, if Kevin Durant says, like, right now, if he's thinking to himself, I could play with Steph Curry, I could play with Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and it's guaranteed championships, why wouldn't I do that? He could be thinking that to himself. And that means nobody's going to have a shot at Kevin Durant. I mean, he could be thinking to himself, I'm going to sign in Oklahoma City for more money than I sign anywhere else. And I'm just going to stay with the Thunder. And I'm going to convince Westbrook to stay here and come back. Right? Or if Westbrook leaves, at some point we bring James Harden back. I don't know. Those are things that could be happening. Those could be the wrenches thrown into the plans of Danny Ainge if he does have his eye on this coming summer and a potential move to try and bring in a Kevin Durant. But if he's not thinking of that, he's not doing his job. Like, I've heard some people tell me when I brought up Durant's name, they say, oh, it's a pipe dream. You're getting, you know, wishful thinking. That's never going to happen. Well... You know what? Based on those factors I just gave you, Golden State, and also at the end of the day, it comes down to what Kevin Durant wants to do, you might be right. But you got to at least try to set yourself up to make yourself an option for Kevin Durant. Why wouldn't you? If you're not, and especially where you say you have two max contracts like the Celtics do, I just don't think, I don't think you'd be doing your job. And, and believe me, I don't think it's crazy to think that Danny Ainge 
has dreams and visions of Kevin Durant in a Celtics uniform, right? I mean, he's, what's he, three years younger, two, three years younger than Horford? It's not a crazy thought. I, I would rather put it this way. Even if it was a crazy thought, I would rather have my GM for my team thinking of that crazy thought than not thinking of the crazy thought. Because that means he's thinking outside the box. That means he's actually willing to go out and pay big money players. Right now, the issue seems to be how can you convince them to come to Boston? Everybody's got their theories, right? You know my theory. And it goes back to the Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen thing. Kevin Garnett rejected a trade to the Celtics at first. What'd you do if you're the Celtics? Well, the Celtics went out and traded for Ray Allen. Kevin Garnett rejected the trade. Celtics traded for Ray Allen on draft night. And it let Kevin Garnett know that the Celtics were going to take winning seriously. Kevin Garnett saw that, saw the potential for a big three, wanted to join forces and said, you know what? Let's do it. Trade me to the Celtics. I'm in. I'll go there. Make the deal happen. They made the deal happen. But what convinced them? That initial move. So that's why when you look at a guy like Horford, and you look at what the Celtics can do between now and next Thursday, in the next week, bringing a big-name player to this team is not just about this year. It's also about what could happen because of that this summer. But it all, it all really comes back to what do you got to give up to get the guy this year, right? The only way I give up the Brooklyn pick between now and next Thursday, out of the guys that we know could be made available and traded in the next week, the only guy the Brooklyn pick goes for is DeMarcus Cousins. Now, unless there's some secret superstar player that could be made available in a trade that you're not telling me about, that no one's telling me about, well, then it's open for discussion, the Brooklyn pick. But as far as guys we know are available, superstar players, Brooklyn pick is only going to the elite of the elite. And I, I, you could say what you want about DeMarcus Cousins and his attitude, and we've gone over this a million times, and I've, I've told you why I want DeMarcus Cousins in a Celtics uniform a million times. Because when I see his anger or his, his passion and, um, you know, people say his attitude, to me, it's the attitude of a kid who's in his mid-20s, who's still maturing, and also is trying to mature in an organization that has no shot of winning ever. And that's frustrating. And, and I think that, that frustration grows. And we'd all like to think that when, if we were in that situation, we would handle it a little bit better. Much like we'd all handle the Cam Newton press conference post-game Super Bowl after losing the Super Bowl a little bit better than he did. Right? Everybody's a big tough guy when, when the going gets tough. Until you're actually in that situation. DeMarcus Cousins, before he went to Sacramento, all the kid knew was winning. I don't think they've won 30 games since he's been there the last five, six years. Right? His entire career. The the frustration continues to build. And the more coaches you bring in that that aren't fixing the problem, I mean, what do you want Cousins to do? What's he averaging? 27 a game? 27 and 12? He's in his mid-20s. He's a stud. And, And I believe that if you put a player like that, you could talk about effort. Well, efforts, I talk about effort with Dwight Howard. I mean, what's he average? 14 points a game? Come on. He's 30 years old as well. And he's battling injuries. And he has no heart and no soul. We see that from him every single year. DeMarcus Cousins, the passion he shows me is a kid who wants to win. And he's mad because they're not winning. And on top of it, you, you talk about effort? Well, I mean, he does I mean, he does score 27 a game. Close to 30 points a fucking game. And I do think that you put a kid like that at the TD Garden with this group, I mean, it's a you you know you've been in the building. If you're in, if you're from Boston, you go to a Celtics game when this team's winning in that building. That is it. That's a pretty cool place to play, isn't it? Not just play, pretty cool place to just be in as a fan. The Garden is a cool fucking place to be in when when things are going well. And right now, things are going well. And things are only going to continue to improve. And if you think they could go out and acquire DeMarcus Cousins and things are going to get worse, well, you're just not paying attention to what DeMarcus Cousins is. 
he's a stud. And he's next, he's elite. He's an elite player. I don't think Al Horford's on his level, okay? He's not. Al Horford's a nice player. Al Horford would help. I'm not giving up the Brook back to the Brooklyn pick. I'm not giving it up for Al Horford. I would give it up for DeMarcus Cousins. And really, is there any other big superstar player that, that could be made available between now and next Thursday that would be worth the Brooklyn pick, in my opinion? I mean, I haven't heard a name. Kevin Durant's not getting traded now. If he goes anywhere, he signs as a free agent or, as I think could happen, a sign-and-trade, which is more likely at the end of the season. Uh... But how do you get that guy and convince that player to want to play in Boston? You want to add a piece between now and Thursday if you're the Celtics. That piece, could it be Al Horford? I would like for that to happen. I would just prefer that happen without giving up the Brooklyn pick. Is that possible? I have no idea. But I hope they try to make it possible. Because that would be a steal. That would be a good move. And that would mean that, well... You've improved this team this year, and you also have put yourself in position to either make the draft pick or use that pick in another deal in some type of sign-and-trade with a potential big-name free agent to, to lure that player to Boston. That's, that's the strategy you got to have. You know, they're going to mention some other names to you here. I just want no part of Dwight Howard. Al Horford, do it. Just don't send the Brooklyn pick for him. It all goes back to, I don't even know if Atlanta's going to trade Horford right now. I, I, I don't know why they would. If they are, I would think that if I'm, see, if I'm Atlanta now, I take myself out of Boston, I put myself in, in Atlanta, and, and the shoes of the Hawks GM, I say, Celtics, you got that Brooklyn pick. I want it. And I, I wouldn't take no for an answer. And if they said no, I'd hang up the phone. That's what i do if I were the Hawks. And... You know, if, if that's not happening from the Hawks, I'm still trying to build to add maybe in the next week. So I'm a little confused as to what's going on with these Atlanta Hawks rumors. But those are the rumors. The Celtics have been linked to Al Horford. We'll see how that plays out. But um, I'd like him in green. Just not for the price of the Brooklyn pick. All-star break in the NBA. Uh, actually, one other thing. We get the trade talk. You know how I feel about Kelly Olynyk. The, 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 the better he gets, the more he shows us, the higher his trade value gets, uh, you got you to gotta dish him off somewhere. And unfortunately, he, he suffered a shoulder injury. And they're saying it's just a shoulder bruise, nothing major. Keep an eye out for it because I, I think if you do make a move between now and Thursday... You know, I think you're going to, if you're the Celtics, you should try to package Olenek in that deal. I really believe so. And um, you'll, we'll keep an eye on the Olenek shoulder injury, but that's what we had going last night. The Celtics beat the Clippers. Evan Turner with a nice couple buckets in overtime. Isaiah Thomas, uh, once again, fourth quarter, just driving to the basket as everybody else wanted to just, you know, throw threes up. No. Drive to the hoop, and Isaiah Thomas did. Uh, and then a huge rebound late. I can't ignore it. Jonas Jurepko, huge rebound. And he was fouled, and he hit his two free throws, and the game was over. But a guy who helped Jurepko get that rebound was Jared Sullinger boxing out DeAndre Jordan, which is not going to show up on the score sheet. But Jared Sullinger, that was one of the better plays of the game. Boxing out DeAndre Jordan late in that one to allow Jarebko to get a rebound that eventually sealed, that really sealed the deal on the win last night over the Clippers. And, and I know I mentioned Evan Turner with a couple huge buckets in overtime. Turner does not get the credit that, that, that he deserves in this town. He doesn't. He doesn't get the credit. Uh, he's one of the team's best players. And... He just, anytime the Celtics are on a run or, you know, they're having a comeback or they're separating themselves, increasing the lead, Evan Turner is always involved. Always. To the point where, you know, they're dribbling down the court. I'm going, give it to Turner. Let Turner drive in, take the, the short little jump shot or go to the hoop. This is Evan, make this Evan Turner's game. 
and, and everything will be okay. I, I, I feel that way about it. I've been saying it for over a year now. I've been going back to last season. And, and I just, he doesn't get the proper credit in this town. And, and maybe it's because expectations were so high for him when he was the number two overall pick and he didn't really do anything in Philly. Uh, and it just, it looked like the NBA wasn't really working out for him when it comes to living up to the expectations of being such a high pick. And then maybe that's why. Yeah, I, I think if Evan Turner was one of these guys that didn't get drafted and is doing what he's doing for the Celtics the last two seasons, I, you know, I, I do think that we'd be putting him on this pedestal that maybe we're not now because at first he wasn't living up to those expectations. And I'm not saying he's living up to them now. I'm just telling you that he has done an awful lot for this team. And the Celtics right now going into the All-Star break with 32 wins, Evan Turner is a huge part of all of the 32 wins that the Celtics have this season. And he deserves more credit than he's getting. I try to give it to him, but I'm only one man. I'm only one man. Uh, you know what else I've tried to do the last couple of years? This is basketball-related, but not NBA-related. NCAA tournament-related. There is some news. The NCAA tournament. And one thing I've tried to do is tell you, and I'm glad they're doing this, because I've been trying to tell you that I'm not changing the, the wording of the first round. The first round of the NCAA tournament is when? When is it? I know, you want to get literal with me, you're going to say, well, technically, it's the playing games. The first four, as they call it. That's the first round. That's what you're going to tell me. I'm going to tell you no fucking way. And I've been saying this the last couple of years on this show, is that the first round to me in the NCAA tournament will always be beginning on that Thursday afternoon. At what, 12 o'clock? I think the first game is on Thursday. The first round, Thursday and Friday. That will always be the first round to me. Always. Always. And I've told you that. I'm never going to call the first four playing games the first round. And yet, the NCAA has tried to do that the last couple years. Like when you print out your brackets and you get the Thursday, Friday games, it's a second round. I don't call it the second round. I never have. I told you I never would. They could never make me call that the second round. Thursday and Friday of the NCAA tournament will always be the first round. They Maybe they listened. Because today the news is that the NCAA is going back to what I never stopped doing, which is calling the Thursday-Friday games officially the first round. The first four is the first four, the playing games. They're not... You know, they're not changing anything about the bracket. They're just changing the name into the bracket. But it really was something that always pissed me off. Like, the first four games, that's not the first round. Why are you calling it the first round? Well, they're going to go back to the way I like it. Thank you. Today, I tell the NCAA, thank you for once again, officially making the Thursday-Friday games the first round of the NCAA tournament. It'll be here before you know it. It will be here before you know it. That first week, though, uh, you know I love breaking down those games, but I'm not going to be here that week. I'm going to be in the Dominican that week, uh, so I'll have to catch up the following week on this show, but around that time, we'll be in spring training mode. We'll be getting ready for the regular season in Major League Baseball. Hey, you know what? I'll be at Fenway tonight. Yeah, I'll be at Fenway Park tonight. Because there's a snowboarding event at Fenway. Believe that? Yeah, I'm getting a ticket. And I, I, I figured, why not? Why not go check it out? Some of the pictures look pretty cool. Snowboarding at Fenway. They got this big old ramp set up in there. It looks like it could be pretty dangerous. And no, I'm not just going because I hope people get injured. I do not hope people get injured. I hope nobody gets injured. But it's just, it's going to be a unique thing to see. I was there for the Notre Dame-BC football game a couple months back. I've been there for the Winter Classic. Uh, anything else? I didn't go for the soccer games that they've had there. Uh, and obviously baseball, right? Baseball. I even, I even saw wiffle ball played in there. 
And they should do more wiffle ball. They should let me run a wiffle ball tournament inside of Fenway during the summer when they go on a road trip. I've seen concerts there, obviously, but I've never seen snowboarding. I mean, you can see, you drive down the Mass Pike, you look up, you can see how high the snowboard ramp is. It's crazy. So I'm going to take the ticket. I'm going to go watch that tonight. Should be interesting. Have a couple beers. Have a couple cold ones. Freezing outside. Snowboarding at Fenway. I'm not a snowboarding guy. I'm not a skiing guy. I used to go skiing all the time up in North Conway as a kid. Uh, I have cousins that live in, in North Conway. I just, I'm not, you know, whenever we would go on hockey trips as kids, we would ski. But I was never a big skier. Mainly because I wasn't really good at it. And two, I felt like every time I went skiing as a kid, I would just get hurt. Like, to me, skiing, if you're not great at it, and I think to be great, you really got to go all the time, and I don't go all the time. If you're not great at skiing, it really is unnecessary injury. Like, you're going to fall. You're going to get hurt. And I'm not trying to sound like a pussy right now. I'm just telling you that uh, it's unnecessary. Like, I don't have fun doing it. So why would I just go and sacrifice my body and and, and know that I'm going to go out and ski down a hill and fall? A bunch of times. Like, I, that does, that's not fun to me. I'd rather not do that. And when it comes to snowboarding, I've never done it. I've never snowboarded. I've, I would always ski. I just, I need my feet separated. Like, I grew up skating. I played hockey my whole life. To have both feet separated, I need that. I can't have them on, on the same board. I just, the idea of not having both of my feet separated, doing their own thing, Going down an icy hill, it just that idea just doesn't doesn't appeal to me. So I, I don't I don't snowboard. If I do anything, I ski. But I usually just at this stage of my life just stay away from it all. If there is a ski trip, I'll be the one inside drinking. That that's the guy I'll be at the ski trip. I won't be the guy out in the slope. If you need me to go out in the slope, I'll do one I'll do one run, and that's it. Right inside, cracking a cold one. That's it. Uh, But tonight, I'll have a couple cold ones in the freezing cold weather at Fenway as there is snowboarding. I'm just interested to see how it's going to look. Should be cool. Doesn't happen all the time. Get a ticket. Might as well go, right? Might as well. I'll be back here tomorrow letting you know uh, how that went down. Also tonight, the Bruins, they are in Winnipeg against the Jets. Once again, yesterday, I did some Bruins trade deadline stuff. The NHL trade deadline is a couple weeks or a week and a half after the NBA trade trade deadline. NHL trade deadline is the 29th of February, where the NBA trade deadline is February 18th. So uh, the NHL trade deadline is after the NBA trade deadline. But with the way the Bruins are struggling right now, there are some talks about the guys that they could move and while Louis Erickson is a guy that everyone's talking about, I'm also thinking of Zidane Chara, the captain of the Bruins. And if you want my take on that, you got to go listen to yesterday's podcast and also read my column in today's or in tomorrow's Boston Metro, which is already online if you want to read it today. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook. Those links are up there for you. I am here five days a week, dannypicard.com. Also, subscribe on iTunes. And if you don't have an iPhone or an iPad, you can get this show on the Stitcher app, also on TuneIn, wherever podcasts are available. No picks tomorrow. No more, no picks. Picks, picks with the spread. At least no NFL picks, I should say. Uh, Maybe I make some picks for you tomorrow, uh, outside of the NFL. But we have no NFL games uh, for the first time in a long time. And I guess it's somewhat depressing, but at the same time, you know that Spring training's right around the corner. Baseball's right around the corner. Stanley Cup playoffs. NBA playoffs right around the corner. The Masters is right around the corner. We're almost there. There's snow on the ground here in New England. There's snowboarding tonight at Fenway. But we're almost there. You you get that reminder when there is no more football. And because there's no more football, picks, picks, the NFL version of it at least, We'll not be here tomorrow. Well, I'll take a look at some games. We'll come up with something, perhaps, to give you a couple picks with the spread to make like I do every Friday during the NFL season. Uh, we'll try to figure that out. But I will be back tomorrow again, five days a week, dannypicard.com. Make sure you subscribe right now. I'm out. Talk to you tomorrow.